if you're following Paul through the book of Romans and you get to chapter 8, you know that he has defended the law as righteous. And even though he's defended the law as righteous, he's also recognised that the law is powerless to make us righteous because sin dwells in us and law can do nothing to change that. But in this passage, Paul describes what does make the difference, not just to the way that we go about life, but also to the way in which our mortal bodies can become more alive. So it's well worth paying attention to. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and this is perhaps the most powerful reality of the salvation that we have in Christ. We know that we are not condemned. Living under a pending death sentence is no life at all. Many of you will be aware for the last several months or a year or so, probably actually more than that, maybe several years, the Powerhouse Museum has been under a death sentence. It was. It was to close last week. Uh, Many local families and businesses protested this and people from across Sydney thought it wasn't the right thing to do. But it did seem hopeless. The government wasn't listening. Memberships came due and were not allowed to be renewed. Exhibitions became less extravagant and more sparse. And the mood among volunteers and staff grew steadily more glum. And then last weekend and there was an announcement. You'll remember that it was no longer condemned. There is now no condemnation for the Powerhouse Museum. Well, at least that's what it seemed. I walked around with a silly grin on my face all Saturday and the locals got together for a little party on the green on Saturday evening and there was an air of celebration and relief because this is such an important resource for our community. There is a quality of life that is only possible when we are not facing condemnation, when we are under grace. It involves a freedom that is unimaginable when we live under a sense of condemnation. Now, and this is the thing that the law could not do. It could not change our sense of things. It could never deliver to us a sense of gracious well-being that is found, that we, we find in the forgiveness that we have in Christ. The law has the power to shine a spotlight on where we're not being loving and kind. It offers us the guardrails that we become aware of as we bang up against them and sometimes fly over the top of them. But law cannot transform our hearts. The law cannot help us want to not transgress the guardrails. So the rules remain the site of irritation to us, uh, not helping us but only kind of going when we cross them or come close to them or donging us on the head when we do the wrong thing. But imagine not being at odds with the guardrail. Imagine that you could simply follow your heart's desire and that desire led you straight down the middle of the track. This would be a new level of aliveness, I reckon, not constantly hitting the edges of what is permissible, not continually being reminded of getting it wrong, not always running the risk of not being good enough or indeed being rejected. This is the promise of the spirit of life in Christ. You see, because 
Fulfilling the requirement of the law is not simply about behaviour, and this is where it gets all a bit deep and tricky. Uh, like It would be one thing to take the often vague and imprecise precepts and break them down into day-to-day actions, as indeed the Pharisees tried to do several thousand years ago, and um, there are some bits that are easier to do with that than others, like various sacrifices are fairly tightly prescribed and you know what you're supposed to do and depending on your circumstances there were some variations, but they're all laid out. But there's some laws like refraining from work on the Sabbath that at first seem quite clear and then you kind of think, but what is work and what is not work? And as a minister I find this difficult. Like, when am I working and when am I hanging out with people I love hanging out with? It's a bit of a fine line, you know. Um, is it when I enjoy it less, it's more like work? There was debates amongst scholars. If somebody accidentally bumps seeds off a table and they fall in the ground, were they working? Have they just planted seeds? And this brings in the category of intent. Did they mean to do it or was it an accident? Can you accidentally work? This kind of thing. And you might think, well, that's getting very, very pedantic. But even Jesus pointed out that intent is really important in, when it comes to the law. He said this in the Sermon of the Mount. He said, if a person is angry with their brother and hates them in their heart, then that's tantamount to committing murder. If somebody lusts after someone else, it's tantamount to committing murder adultery with them. It's no longer just the behaviours themselves that are the boundaries of concern. Jesus wants us to be alert to our motives and desires as well. So the whole thing just gets more and more impossible. But as I indicated a moment ago, can you imagine the alignment of our desires with that which we know to be good? That is the beginning of a new freedom and life. Relief from the fear of condemnation opens a safe place to become deeply aware of our own hearts. Without this kind of safety, we cannot be honest with ourselves. We will spin reality to make ourselves acceptable to ourselves until we have that lovely space of grace, of no condemnation. When I'm talking things out with my counsellor, for example, my counsellor becomes the embodiment of divine grace for me in a funny way, in a small way. Because the counsellor expresses unconditional acceptance for what I'm saying. And this allows me to be more open about what's going on within myself. I can speak more honestly and face things more squarely. And this process can be very confronting as I'm not necessarily proud of the things that I become aware of or discover, but the grace allows me to accept myself and the acceptance is foundational to taking steps toward profound and lasting change. And as a consequence, I have the opportunity to bring the deep places that form my motives into closer alignment with what I want to be doing and what I believe is important. And in the end, I can pursue my heart's desire and find that it is in keeping with God's desire if I do that 
work well. And you know, as this happens for us, a very remarkable thing also takes place. Because we are set up a little bit by evolution and social evolution and all this to be much like other animals where we have an innate preference for our survival. We're profoundly interested in our own survival. Have you noticed that? Um, To the point of acting instinctively to save ourselves without even thinking about it. And if you do think about it for a moment, you might say, well, that makes absolutely perfect sense and it's very difficult to argue against in any way. But the challenge of this interest in survival is that ultimately we will fail at it. No matter what we do, we will not be able to keep surviving. This is a hard reality that most human beings like to keep as far away from their consciousness as possible. Eventually, we will breathe our last breath. And the last word with regard to our personal survival will be that we did not survive. And it's really only a matter of when that's going to happen, not if. And if that sounds depressing to you, well, I guess it is. It is depressing. (laughs) But if life is wrapped up in something bigger than just our own survival, if we are willing, willingly and joyfully pouring our life into life that lives beyond simply our own life, then we can begin to live into that which will live on. Whether it's a relationship, family, community, we can give ourselves to and so live larger through our networks, commitments and passions that continue to shape the world long after we may have left it. Ian Avery uh, reminds me of this every now and then and now that James has got a renewed interest in the history of this building and that highlights it in a different way, that we at Mustard Seed are living into a tradition that predates us. And if we do our part well, it will live well beyond us. We will become part of the great cloud of witnesses to and for the Ultimo Piemont area. And if we do that kind of thing, there's overwhelming evidence that living for something beyond ourselves brings life to our mortal bodies. So it's not just theoretical. We can see the impact of of, um, this on a a person's body uh, in a negative kind of way when somebody loses a key relationship. Uh, Often you see this with older married couples. Uh, If one of the couple die, it takes a huge toll on the other and the other may actually lose the will to live in some cases. In a similar manner, living for something bigger than just ourselves or something other than just ourselves can spur us on to keep going. We will persevere through all manner of trials and challenges if we have a good enough reason to do so. If our life is all about just ourselves, it may be that there's not a sufficiently good reason to keep going. My mum and I often joke about this because she is slowing down and uh, life for her is getting a bit smaller and she's mostly at home and not seeing as many people and some of her friends are gone now and others aren't able to get out and so forth. And mum is currently knitting me a jumper, most likely the last jumper she will ever knit me. 
and she's doing very well, although it's taking longer than it has previously. And on days when she's struggling, she will often joke to me, well, I can't die yet, Dave. I've got to finish your jumper. (laughs) And it's a joke, and yet I also suspect there's a good deal of truth in it as well, because it's not simply about a jumper. The jumper becomes a token of a lifetime of love and self-giving that mum has offered me and other people. She's knitted jumpers for my daughter Way and one for Greg who does our garden outside. In fact, there's a continuity between that and her self-giving in all sorts of ways. She's living beyond herself. I mean, much like the hours that Mal spends talking to architects and builders and engineers about the spire. I don't think Mao's particularly interested in spires or stonemasonry. Mao's interested in the church and in the gospel and the good news and in people like us. And so he's happy to do that. And, you know, Phaedra and Trevor traipse up here on Saturdays and then again on Sundays and along with the rest of the music team and rehearse. And it's not just about music or performance. It's about offering something to God and to the community. And Leanne makes soup and comes along and serves it to us afterwards and she's just not fascinated with soup. It's about an opportunity to have fellowship and a a rich time together. And I could mention every single person listening and watching as part of this community how we enrich our life together. And as we realise and live into our calling as God's people, we become an increasingly vital part of something bigger than ourselves that gives strength to our mortal bodies. See, the most amazing good news is that there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There is freedom from the perpetual fear that condemnation would bring. And this opens to us the opportunity for genuine heart transformation in a manner that is simply not possible when we are braced against rejection. This grace opens us to the experience of God's unconditional love. This divine love does its work and changes our hearts and we move from being incapacitated by the fear of condemnation to being open to seeing truth and having our hearts changed by that truth. This not only changes how we do everything, which is important in and of itself, but it can even bring life to our mortal bodies. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let us give thanks and let us pray. Lord, your love for us holds us and transforms us. The relief and release you bring from condemnation opens new worlds to us both in the way that we do life and in the richness of what that life is about and how that then impacts our mortal bodies. We thank you for your incredible grace and what you have called us into and how we can live large with you for all eternity.
to the glory of your name. Amen.